August 11, 2016, the African country of Zambia. A married couple, Americans, who were avid exotic game hunters, are packing up to go home to Arizona. But before they leave their cabin in the Kafui National Park, one of them is dead from an apparent accidental gunshot wound. It wasn't an accident. This case will span six years, two continents, and three countries before anyone is held accountable for this death. Or was it a homicide? This is the case of Larry and Bianca Rudolph, murder on safari. Hey y'all, I'm Chris Calvert. And I'm her husband, Rob Potter. Welcome to Hitch to Homicide. For better or worse. Till death do us part. everybody yes welcome 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 and for our friends from serbia oh, okay bear with me because this is a difficult one dobro došli dobro došli dobro došli very nice yes and i said that because novak djokovic who's a tennis player one of your favorites yeah, absolutely he's my hero he's the goat uh just won his 24th grand slam so there you go that's for that's for novak and all this Everyone from Serbia. I think he's kind of cute, too. And I like <laughs> him. I like to watch him play tennis. He's a good guy, too. Just a good guy. Well, wherever you're listening, be sure to like, rate, and review. That helps other people to find us. Yes. We thank you for all your comments and emails. We appreciate them more than you will ever, ever know. Absolutely. And speaking of people who like to comment. <laughs> yeah. You should join our in-laws and outlaws, oh. the H2H in-laws and outlaws. I say it every week. Go to Facebook. It's a closed group. We love that whole crazy crowd. <laughs> yep. Whenever I'm in like a, a bad mood, I just... Go check out the in-laws and outlaws. <laughs> Who has something to say? There's some great memes in there. <laughs> and now that we're kind of getting into Halloween season, yeah. it's just getting a little bit... It's getting even crazier. Yeah. It's a little bit out of control and we love it. Yes. So if you want to be part of that Think Hive, go join the In-Laws and Outlaws. Yes. Well, this case, honey, yeah. this is really a death do us part case. Really? Yes. Uh-oh. Husband, wife. And wait, this- wait, let me do this. <laughs> Sorry, I have a dog in my hand, so I can only <laughs> use my right hand. <laughs> but this sentence, the sentencing was just handed down just last month. So I've watched this case and I've waited and I've waited and here we are. Uh-oh. Before we get started, let me thank some sources. Conan Daily, Find a Grave, ArizonaCentral.com, Anthrotech.com, Animals247.org, Rolling Stone Magazine, The New York Times, CBS News, People Magazine, Law and Crime, The Toronto Sun, The Guardian, and Dateline NBC. Everybody's had a lot to say about this case. <laughs> a lot of voices. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, you ready? I am. All right, let's do it. 
Lawrence Patrick Rudolph, Larry, is born in 1955. It's really hard to find anything about him before he graduates from dental school in 1980 from the University of Pittsburgh as a doctor of general dentistry. Herbie wants to be a dentist. <laughs> It's not Christmas yet. Oh, okay. You're sorry. not allowed to. It's not even Halloween yet. <laughs> so we are not those people. We celebrate the holidays in order. But Halloween. Herbie still wants to be a dentist. <laughs> we go Halloween, Thanksgiving, then Christmas. Yes. Okay. Yes. But I think, this is just me, this is just my opinion. I think his attorneys, he's had people scrub the internet for his information. Because gotcha. there's just really not a whole lot out there. And believe me, I went and looked. Okay. There are sources that say he lived not only in Pennsylvania, where he went to dental school, but also Indiana and Miami, Florida. Don't know if that's correct or not. Okay. But while he's at college, the College of Dentistry at Pittsburgh, this is where Larry meets undergrad Bianca Teresa Fenenzio. Wow. Think she's Italian? No, not at all. <laughs> she's Serbian. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's very Italian. All right. I like the name Bianca. Though. Bianca. Yeah. Bianca's born on December 4th. That's my dad's birthday, 1959, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Her parents were Oresta, Vincent, and Anna. I don't even want to try this maiden name. <laughs> Go for it. Come on. Let me hear it. Scardelia fin Finenzio. Perfect. <laughs> now I know how you feel doing the welcome, welcome, welcome. Opa. No, the, that's Italian, not not Greek. I'm just throwing everybody in there. Yeah, well, don't. Because <laughs> they're definitely, Ita they're Italian. <laughs> okay, all right, go for it. Obviously, they're Italian. I couldn't see if they were born in the United States, her parents. What we do know is that her grandparents were born in Italy. So first or second generation immigrants from the wonderful country of Italia, where Rob and I both love. I love. Florence is my most favorite city in the entire world, besides the cities here in the U.S., obviously, but love Florence. I don't know. I might be able just to go to Tuscany and live out my days. <laughs> I wouldn't have a problem. I couldn't find a lot about her early life either, but she seemed to have grown up in the Pittsburgh area, and she attended, obviously, the University of Pittsburgh. Okay. Now, these two fall in love and get married. They have two children, first a daughter and then a son. There's information out there about these two. I'm not going to talk about them because God loved their hearts. They're caught up in this case. It had nothing to do with them. I find absolutely no reason to discuss them or even say their names. Yeah. Now, Larry... Dr. Larry Rudolph, he starts a dental practice in the Pittsburgh area. He calls it Three Rivers Dental. Okay. And in the beginning, Bianca works for Larry in the dental office. I mean, he's just starting out, so she's working in the office. Sure. But after she has her two children, she becomes less and less involved in the practice. And Larry's practice is really growing, and he starts to advertise. And he's got a few locations. He really grew the practice under the advertisement for sedation dentistry. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people who hate going to the dentist. Myself included. I don't mind it so much. Chris has only ever had one cavity in her <laughs> whole life. But he's doing sedation dentistry. So he'll put you to sleep before he does anything on your teeth, right? Mm -hmm. And he's making money. He has loads of commercials on TV in the Three Rivers area, okay. like a lot of commercials. Meanwhile, I read where the kids were doing really well in school. I found their honor roll names in the newspapers. And Bianca is very active. 
She even trained for like a marathon. Wow. She's like playing golf. And Bianca liked to hunt, something she picked up from Larry. Okay. Larry is a big game hunter. Safari stuff. Okay. Now I'm going to say it from the get-go. Don't email me. Yeah. Don't, don't even think about it. Rob and I, neither one, neither one of us condone big game hunting or exotic hunting. There are loads of photos of Larry and Bianca's trophies, none of which I'm going to show you or post in the in-laws and outlaws, but they are both big game hunters on safari. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to leave that. Yep. Just know we are animal lovers, rescue dogs. Don't email me. I'm a lover, not a fighter. We're lovers, not fighters. <laughs> That's right. Now, in 2002, after Larry's had his practice for 20 years, he hires Lori Milliron as a part-time dental hygienist. And these two begin a love affair. Hmm. Lori's blonde. She's pretty. Now, Bianca's beautiful, too. She's just dark and she's Italian, but she's a beautiful woman. Right. But from 2003 to 2008, Larry and Lori vacation together around 60 days out of each year. Really? Yes. How do you do that? Well, he's traveling on his own. Okay. Without his wife, apparently. Wow. Either he's saying he's going somewhere. Again, a lot of this information is just not out there. But if there's 15 dental conventions a year, doesn't that <laughs> become a bit suspicious? And you take your part-time <laughs> yeah. hygienist with you, not your, not your office manager. Oh, wow. Wow. But these two went to Paris. They went to New Zealand and they went to Africa. Larry is doing really, really well with his dental practice. And mm -hmm. according to some of his former employees in the office, hygienists and office managers, Larry would give really big discounts for cash transactions mm. for things like root canals and other stuff. Sure. Cash that would go into a vault in each of these practices. So he has like three or four offices. I think he has four. Okay. But Cash that was more than likely never reported to the IRS. You think? Yeah. <laughs> but according to his staff, part of the reason his clients needed so much work was because Larry would purposely not fill cavities so his patients would require a root canal. What? Or while they're under, remember it's sedation dentistry, yeah. he would drill holes in their healthy teeth in order to cause the need for dental Wow, what a scumbag. I'm just painting you a picture. Wow. Now, like I said before, Larry and Bianca like to big game hunt together. And Larry's doing so much of it and getting so many trophies. That's what they call them, trophies. Don't email me. But he has so many that he and Bianca join the Safari Club International, where they get together or plan trips for big game hunting. I didn't really look it up. I think there's something in there about conservation. You can go look it up if you want to. Okay. But- Larry is highly involved. Now, in 2006, while Larry's in Zambia, he's out big game hunting. Larry claims he's fishing and he leans in to get a fish. Like it's on the line. He right. leans into the water to get the fish out. And a crocodile comes for the fish Whoa. and bites the end of his thumb off. Wow. Then he says the croc pulled him into the water and he wrestled with the croc. He gets himself free. He's able to swim to shore and call for help. He escaped with a partially bitten off thumb. 
Okay. Well, first of all, if you've ever seen a crocodile's teeth, <laughs> the likelihood of biting off just the tip of your thumb, that's where I have a question. Number two. Oh, gosh. He, we've got a list. Okay. Number two. Him wrestling a crocodile in the water, yeah, Larry would be no longer Larry. Larry would be probably at the bottom of the of the river being tenderized. He's Crocodile Dundee in yeah. this story, right? I what mean, he really the, is. I just named him Larry the Loser. <laughs> He's so much more. God. But back in the States, you know, he tells this story. Comes back, got a partial thumb. He tells this story back at the Safari Club, at the Safari Club International, and they think his story is total bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a piranha, (laughs) not a crocodile. Not only that, the hunting guide who's usually with him, a guy named Spencer Kakomi, who will be Larry and Bianca's guide a lot. But on this particular day, he hears three shots, which I guess is the international distress signal. And they rush to the scene, and they find Larry with his half-thumb gone. But the camp staff doesn't think he's had a fight with a crocodile. I mean, this is Zambia, and the guides know what they're talking about, just like you knew what you were talking about from behind a keyboard. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They didn't believe Larry any more than his buddies at the safari club or any more than Rob right now. Wow. But when the camp staff finds him, they're like, Larry didn't have a fight with a crocodile. He's shot the end of his thumb off. Mm. He did this to himself. Yeah. And guess what? Larry's going to get a $30,000 a month disability payment because of this. Really? And he will collect $3.5 million in disability insurance. Wow. Now, he didn't shoot his whole thumb off, just the end of it. So it seems to me... If Larry's a dentist and he uses his digits, you know. (laughs) His opposable thumbs? Yeah, I think I would shoot the pinky off instead of the thumb. Pick a better digit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. your thumb seems a little bit more important, but I'm sure it was an accident. So he says. Okay. But even though he's told this big crocodile Dundee story, he's really well-liked, even though he's full of shit. And he has so many trophies that in July of 2009, Larry is elected president of the Safari Club International. Mm. He and Bianca both worked within the organization, and they're kind of superstars inside this this big game-hunting world. Okay. This exotic game-hunting world, because they're not just big animals. They're exotic as well. Wow. But this group, they want their leaders to be stand-up guys and not philandering, underhanded dentists. Yeah. I mean, they're under a lot of scrutiny to begin with. For real. They're under a ton of scrutiny. Yeah. So in May of 2011, this executive committee of the Safari Club tells him, we need to have a chat about your lifestyle, Larry. (laughs) And there's an inquiry into his, quote, women, his travel, and his expenses, end quote. Uh Uh-oh. The other board members want to put it on the agenda to be discussed, but he ta- he's the president. He takes it off the agenda, and he thinks that's the end of that. Mm. Until 2012, when they just out and out accuse him of adultery, and they expel him from the club and strip him of his hunting awards. Wow. And when Larry sues the organization for defamation, Bianca, his wife, stands by him 100%. Man. But after this happens, you know, like it's sort of like a domino effect. One person comes forward and says, this guy's an asshole. 
then a lot of people start coming forward <laughs> to say this. So people are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. And another organization where he was president at one point was the Weatherby Association, which is another hunting club. Mm-hmm. And one of the members and a good friend to Bianca, Betsy Wandke, who worked for the Weatherby Foundation, she was called by Larry at three in the morning. He wanted to come to her room to discuss organizational items or some such nonsense. (laughs) And she's like, you know, I'm going to come to my room at 3 a.m. to talk about the Weatherby Foundation. Wow. But before he's found out as not such a great guy, everybody loved him. And according to many, he had the gift of gab. He was quite the charmer. He made people feel special when he was around them. Well, don't most con men? I mean, you know, as I read that or when I was researching and I saw that, I was like, yeah, that's how most con men are. Yeah, that's why they're con men. Yeah. (laughs) Still, even though he's stripped of all these awards, Larry and Bianca still liked to go big game hunting, exotic game hunting together. He would go with her and he would go without her, obviously, because he's taking 60 days off the year (laughs) to be with his mistress. That still cracks me up. But he would go alone, he would go with Bianca, and sometimes he would take his mistress, Lori. So here's what's happening. The practice is booming. He's causing his patients to need all kinds of extra work. He's taking in cash, giving his patients a discount. He's collecting $30,000 a month in disability. He's deep into an affair with Lori Milliron. This is all happening at the same time. Wow. Then in 2015... A woman named Anna Grimley started working as the office manager for Larry. And when she arrives on the scene, she meets Lori, a dental hygienist who worked part-time but seemed to have lots and lots of authority and lots and lots of responsibility around the office. Okay. Now, apparently, she did do some insurance billing stuff and she did do some educational stuff with the office staff on the computer system. But the office is always abuzz with rumors of an affair. And Larry and Lori always come to work together and they always leave together. Mm. I mean, they're a thing, but nobody talks about it. Sure. They're not allowed to talk about it. And when Larry's daughter graduates from dental school and is going to follow in her dad's footsteps, she begins practicing with her dad. And she's wondering, according to those who worked there, who is this Lori woman? What does she do here? And what's she doing with my dad? Yeah. But for some reason, Lori became friends with the new office manager, Anna. Okay. Which makes sense, right? They're both kind of in charge in some capacity. But Lori began sharing information with Anna. Okay. And one day, while Anna was helping Lori put together a dresser, putting together furniture. Right. I don't know this, but it was probably Ikea, and all they had was an (laughs) Allen wrench and directions in Swedish. But (laughs) they're putting this dresser together, and Lori tells Anna, I'm sleeping with Larry. Oh. And after this, Anna starts asking Larry's daughter, what do you think might be going on between your dad and Lori? <laughs> Leading the witness, Your Honor. <laughs> like, she she didn't really want to be a part of yeah, it. Yeah. And the daughter's like, no, they're just working together. So she's defending her dad and believing right. that all is on the up and up. Of course. I mean, she doesn't want to believe her dad would be a philanderer. Nobody does, right? Yeah. In fact, I mean, she's following her dad's footsteps. Her dad was really her hero. I did read that in mm. some of the research. Okay. But remember... Larry's been outed at the Safari Club. 
So he files a lawsuit against the Safari Club. Right. And there are lots of depositions. And in July of 2016, Bianca, Larry's wife, is asked if she has any knowledge of a sexual relationship between her husband and Lori Milliron. And she says, no. Yeah, she's in denial, too. Do you think she knew? Well, we're going to talk about that. All right. I think she knew. Yeah, I think she knew. How did she not know? How could you not know? Yeah. Now, meanwhile, the practice is going so well, and he's getting his $30,000 of disability each month, of course. And Larry and Bianca build a home in Phoenix, a swanky part of Phoenix. And Bianca moves to Arizona, and Larry flies back and forth. He's basically running his practices in Pittsburgh from Arizona and going back and forth and seeing Linda because she's in Pittsburgh. Sure. And the wife is in Arizona. Gotcha. Now, Bianca's friends apparently are going to point blank ask her, do you know what's going on? And she either did and she didn't care or she did, but she was never going to divorce Larry. She was a devout Catholic and she had views on certain things like divorce Mm. and cremation. That's called foreshadowing. Uh Uh-oh. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Now, one of the things Bianca and Larry are still doing together is this big game hunting. And Bianca's really good at it. She was a great shot. She knew how to clean and care for the guns she used. And according to their regular guide, Spencer Kakomi, she was an excellent shot and exotic game hunter. Now, Bianca and Larry are big game hunting in Kafui National Park in Zambia so often that they build a little cabin on the banks of the Kafui River, which is four hours away from anything, from any civilization. I mean, you're in Africa. Sure. And the capital is a place called Lusaka. So they're married. He's been having an affair, and I guess she knows it, but Larry's not going to divorce Bianca either because, remember, they started that practice together when they started out. He didn't have money. She even worked for him. He can't divorce her because she will get half of everything. Yeah, exactly. And they've been together for 34 years. Wow. And for about 10 of them, he was actually faithful. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. What a scumbag. Larry the Loser. It made me think of um, Wedding Crashers, where he's dancing with the mother of the bride, (laughs) and she says, yeah, we've been married, this, and we were faithful for five or whatever. (laughs) And that's what it made me think of, yeah. Yeah. But as the years wear on, Bianca's girlfriends said that her vibrance that she had, she was such a beautiful woman, it started to fade. Mm -hmm. She's losing her spark. And I think you would if you know that your partner's being unfaithful. Yeah, of course. But after nearly 15 years of being together in front of everyone, behind their backs, Lori Milliron issues her ultimatum. Mm -mm. I will give you one year. You either leave Bianca or you're going to lose me. I will not be ignored, Dan. I won't be ignored, Dan. (laughs) No, I mean, Uh, she's just basically saying, I'm not going to tell on you. I'm going to leave you. Yeah. Wow. When are guys going to learn? (laughs) Never. Nothing good could ever come. Until the end of time. And it's not just men, because there are women who cheat as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the office manager, Anna, she only lasts a year in this practice. Because Larry could be kind of a dick. 
He was really no. He was really no. volatile. Say it's not true <laughs> that Larry could be a dick. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, according to her and other members of the staff, he would like throw things and hit walls and yell and stuff. <laughs> but she resigned and she moved to Las Vegas. Okay. Then September 27th of 2016, Larry and Bianca go back to Kafui National Park. Bianca wants to kill a leopard. Hmm. They took with them a Remington 375 rifle and a Browning 12-gauge shotgun. They intended to return to the United States on October 12th, 2016. The plan is to be over there for a little over two weeks. But before they fly out of the States to Zambia, Lori helps Larry procure propofol. It's the same drug that killed Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, yeah. Anesthesiologists sometimes call it milk of amnesia because it looks like milk, but it can be a lethal drug. That's funny that you brought that up because, I mean, some people know I had a brain tumor. And and I remember going into surgery and the anesthesiologist said, we're going to give you the special stuff today, the milk of amnesia. Yeah, milk of amnesia. And he goes, I want you to start counting. Counting back from 10. From 10. I went, 10. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what Michael Jackson was using to help him sleep. I mean, they were just putting him out. Jeez. But this propofol arrives at the dental practice. Before Larry and Bianca leave for their cabin in Africa. Hmm. Now, whether Larry packed it or not is a mystery. Hmm. During the nearly two weeks in Zambia, Bianca did not kill the leopard, but she did have other, quote, trophies. Again, don't email me. I'm using their language, right? We neither condemn or condone. On the morning of October 11th, 2016, around 5.30 a.m., Larry and Bianca are preparing to leave Kafui National Park and their cabin to go home. They have a wedding to attend. Their nephew on Bianca's side is getting married. Okay. Now, according to Larry, well, they're two different stories. So here's number one. According to the sources and the people in Zambia, it's very early in the morning and these two are packing up. Larry is in the bathroom taking a shower. He hears a gunshot while he's taking the shower. He gets out and he finds his wife on the bedroom floor bleeding from the chest. Hmm. Larry says the shotgun had been left loaded from the hunt the day before and that the gun went off while Bianca was trying to pack it into its soft-sided case. Hmm. Now, other than Spencer the Guide, there was also a man named Godfrey Nakubri. He was the camp manager. Quote, They were a good couple, very humble, especially Bianca, end quote. Hmm. Godfrey is also near the cabin when the shot goes off. And he's nearby because he wants to say goodbye to Larry and Bianca. And Godfrey hears the gunfire and a voice that is yelling. And Godfrey and Spencer are both really surprised to hear a gunshot because it's so close to the cabins. And that's just not something that happens. Sure. So Spencer rushes to the cabin and sees Bianca lying in the floor, in a pool of blood. Hmm. Next to her is a rifle in its soft case. It's partially unzipped, and at the end of the case, there's a hole that's been blown through the end of the soft case. Okay. A shotgun hole where the shot went through it. Sure. It's about this time that Godfrey arrives at the cabin. Bianca's dead, shot through the heart. Larry is beside her crying and saying, quote, what am I going to tell my children, end quote. Hmm. 
And when Larry calms down, he tells them both the story. He was in the bathroom taking a shower while Bianca was packing to go home. She was trying to force the gun into the gun case, and that's how it fired. It was an accident. Okay. The Zambian police in Mumbwa take Bianca's body to the capital, Lusaka, Hmm. which is, remember, four hours away. Sure. And the body undergoes an autopsy. She died from a shotgun wound to the chest. A Zambian forensic pathologist identified the cause of her death as hemorrhagic shock and macerated left side of the heart and perforated lung and gunshot injury. Wow. Like straight straight through the heart. Yeah. And they determine it's an accident based on Larry's story. And Larry wasn't too happy about them taking her body in for this autopsy. And it kind of takes the police by surprise. They're like, okay, but she's dead and we need an autopsy. And in that moment, the police, they don't believe what Larry is saying. Mm. There are too many unanswered questions for them to think that any of this is cut and dry. Right, right. Now, what do you think Larry does next? No idea. None. (laughs) Well, He doesn't call his kids. What's he do? He sends his brother-in-law an email to let him know that they won't be making it to the wedding. What? Yeah. Larry and Bianca's kids don't know what's happened to their mom, but they are trying to get in touch with her. What's his reasoning for sending an email? Well, he kind of, and you mean in not getting in touch with the kids? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he kind of has, he kind of has an excuse, maybe. Okay. But meanwhile, the kids are really trying to get in touch with their mom, and their dad isn't communicating with them. Okay. He's hard at work making arrangements for Bianca's body. And when she's taken to a funeral home, Larry insists now the autopsy's over. Her body needs to be cremated now, right away. Mm -hmm. Cremate her body now. Yeah. Zambian police officers go to the camp and to the cabin to see the scene for themselves. And they know this is an American couple, people with money, and the United States is going to want answers from us. Of course they will. So they go to the cabin to collect evidence. They wanted to determine if the gun had been properly unloaded, or did it accidentally go off? Was this a suicide? What was this? Right. Larry has to contact the United States Consulate General to report the death and to say... I need to get a body cremated so I can get it back to the United States. Mm -hmm. Because she's still a United States citizen. Larry tells the chief counselor that he needs the cremation expedited, like now. He wants it done now, like the next day. Mm. And the U.S. Consulate General was a former U.S. Marine named Otto Westhassel. That sounds like a Marine. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) He's got a crew cut and he's like 6'5". And he doesn't take shit off anybody. (laughs) His brow is furrowed. (laughs) Okay. I did not look up to see what Otto looks like, but Otto, we're on your side, dude. Yeah, yeah. But this guy's a Marine and he's like, look, I've seen plenty of gunshot wounds. So he goes to see Bianca's body. Because it all sounds hinky to him. Yeah, suspicious. And when he sees the body, he doesn't think it looks like it's self-inflicted, even if it was an accident. Yeah. So he starts to take photos, and Larry was very upset <laughs> that he was taking photos. I'm sure Larry the Loser was. Now, the police and Mumbai, the local guys, they do a drop test with the gun to see if it's going to go off, if it would fire. Right. It didn't. So it's 
in complete conflict with what they were told by Larry. Right. But they finally come to the conclusion that it was an accident. And in the report, it said that the gun was loaded from the previous hunting activities and that safety precautions were not taken. Okay. But their game scout, their guide, Spencer, was like, hold the phone. Yeah, you're not going to throw me under the bus. Don't throw me under the bus. And I saw Bianca with my own two eyes cleaning and checking this gun. Right. So if that's true, how did Bianca shoot herself accidentally? Right. If the gun was cleaned and emptied, as Spencer says, then someone put a shell back into the gun. Mm -hmm. Also, Larry said... He was in the shower when the gun went off, remember? Right. But when Spencer hurries to the cabin, as soon as he hears the shot, Larry is fully dressed. There's even a photo of him after the shooting because he's on the floor next to his wife. He's got like jeans and a shirt with shoes and a belt and his shirt's tucked in. And he's even got something on his waist, like his phone is attached to his waist or something. Could he have taken a shower with all of his clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> And remember, Spencer's on the scene right after the gunshot, according to him, within 15 seconds. Yeah. So if Larry's in the shower, how'd he get dressed so fast? Shoes, belt, the full Monty, right? Well, Superman could change in a phone booth, so. <laughs> also, Larry wants Bianca's body cremated because it would be too expensive to ship her body back says the man who's paid thousands to have huge animals sent back to the United States yeah. to be stuffed by a taxidermist. Yeah, try another one, Larry. Really, Larry? Yeah, try another really? one. Really? Try another one. After Larry gets what he wants. Wait, wait, wait. So did he, did, did he get her cremated? He did. Really? He did. Wow. Because that's what the report says. It was an accident. Okay. For now. Yeah. Okay. But he flies back to the United States via Johannesburg to Arizona. And when he's in Johannesburg, he calls his son, who then flies to Pittsburgh to break the news to his sister. Oh. And Larry calls Lori Milliron. <laughs> wow. 11 days later, on October 22nd, there's a funeral for Bianca in Arizona. Okay. Not even two weeks later. Wow. But it wasn't a Catholic mass, and there wasn't a large gathering. Hmm. And when Larry is asked by friends and family how Bianca died, he uses the exact same phrase that he would use with the life insurance companies. Okay. Accidental discharge of a firearm. Okay. Larry had nine different insurance policies on his late wife for a total of $4.8 million. Now, after the funeral, Larry and Lori... They're free to be together. He bought them expensive cars, an Aston Martin DB11. Wow. And a Bentley Bentaga. Not a Bentley person. I think I'm saying that right. Wow. He and Lori built a lavish home, both in Arizona and Pennsylvania. Jeez. Because Lori's got kids and a grandchild in Pennsylvania. But not five days after Bianca's funeral, a friend of hers called the FBI to say... Please investigate the death of my friend, Bianca Rudolph, because Larry is a liar and a cheater, and he's been having an affair for years. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but I just imagine, like, the FBI gets his phone call, and it's like a dog's ears, like, wait, what? You yeah. know, it's yeah. like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> But as you might imagine, Bianca's death is national news, 
And Larry's former office manager, Anna Grimley, the one who heard all about the affair while she and Lori were putting together the dresser, she sees this story. And at first she's thinking, I'm going to keep my nose out of this. But finally, she calls the FBI where she is in Las Vegas to say, look it, he was having an affair and nobody was allowed to talk about it. But she told me. And they're like, this is the FBI. The FBI is like, honey, you're not the only person who's made this phone call. Oh, wow. And not only that, yet another friend had called to say Bianca had strong feelings about being cremated and she would never want her body to be cremated. Yeah. Wow. So FBI agents go to Vegas to meet Anna and Anna tells them, Lori gave Larry an ultimatum. You have one year to get rid of Bianca or I'm leaving. And now we have motive. Motive. Yeah. Yeah. An affair and motive. And not to mention $4.8 million in life insurance money. Actually, it's $4,877,744.93. But who's counting? (laughs) Exactly. But the FBI knows this isn't enough evidence. This isn't enough for anything. Right. Meanwhile, Lori's moved into the big house in Arizona and months turned into years. And Lori and Larry are living the high life in their Aston Martin and their Bentley. Hmm. Meanwhile, three years later, the FBI has packed their bags and flown over to Zambia. They're not letting this go. Yeah. They even go into the cabin to inspect where the death happened, and they interviewed witnesses at the scene and anybody who'd been around Larry after Bianca's death. And what the FBI learns from Spencer, the guide, is that Larry didn't want to go to the police that day because he was afraid. Larry was afraid they were going to arrest him. And Spencer also tells the FBI that at first, Larry said he wanted to kill himself because his wife had just committed suicide. Then he changed his story and said it was an accident while she was packing up the gun. Okay. The FBI also speaks with Betsy, the other female hunter who Larry wanted to meet in her room at three in the morning. That Betsy. Yeah. Betsy tells authorities that Bianca would never mishandle a firearm. Right. And she tells them, look, she either killed herself or she was murdered, but it was not an accident. Mm. Now, the Zambian government has said it was an accident, and even the nine insurance companies signed off on it as an accident. Mm -hmm. But the FBI is not letting this go, Mm. just like Scotty with a chew toy. (laughs) Not letting it go. (laughs) It's it's either going to be destroyed or he'll just keep chewing on it forever. Not letting it go. Yeah. They learn about the 2006 crocodile thumb eating incident and his insurance claim for disability to the tune of $30,000 a month. So the FBI is thinking if this dude would shoot off his own thumb for some money. Yeah. What would he do to get rid of Bianca in order to cash in her life insurance policies and be rid of her without a divorce and a 50-50 split of their assets so he can be with his girlfriend? Right. Then in early 2020, Larry and Lori, they're living in high cotton. Lori's in the mansion that Larry and Bianca built, but they're building a newer, bigger, more beautiful home. And while this happens, Larry and Lori are enjoying the good life. Mm -hmm. There was this place in Arizona that they like to eat outside of Phoenix called Steak 44. Okay. It was a high-end restaurant and bar where Lori and Larry liked to come for dinner, and they always sat at the bar. Okay. 
Now, at Stake 44, like a lot of people have, you know, they're regulars there. They had a regular bartender who knew their order. He would make them martinis. He would say hello, chit-chat up with them. Mm -hmm. But one night, as bartender Brian Lovelace, great name, Brian, (laughs) is behind the bar and Lori and Larry are having their drinks and dinner, they're having a little bit of a tiff. They're they're having a little bit of an argument. Is there a little crack in the... uh... In the relationship here? She didn't want the Aston Martin. Yeah. Come on, Larry. <laughs> but there's music in the bar that night. And when I read this, I thought, Rob, who's a musician, when we go out to dinner, <laughs> he hates it when there's live music that he has to, feels like he has to talk over. Yeah, right? Yeah. When I go out to eat, I just, I want to enjoy my wife's company. He just wants to hear my voice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Stop it. He doesn't hear it enough, (laughs) just like you guys. Uh, No, the thing I hate is going out to dinner and just sitting there and not talking. I hate that. Yeah. Well, there's music at the bar that night. And during that lull between songs, so they're having a little tiff. And you know how there's that lull between songs and you're talking loudly to somebody over the music and then boom, the band stops and it's quiet and you're still kind of shouting over the music? Usually mine is, and I have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on this night, that's exactly what happened. Not the bathroom part. (laughs) And when the music stopped and these two are still fighting, Larry says, quote, I killed my Wife for you, end oh, quote. Wow, Larry, what the, oh my God. Wow, Larry the idiot. Yeah, it just, it made me think of um, those old E.F. Hutton commercials. And if you're like really young, you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. But somebody will talk about a stock, you know, tip and they'll be like, when E.F. Hutton talks, talks everybody, everybody stops listens. and leans in and listens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like. Um, yeah, I don't have an alliteration for Larry the idiot. But it's like Eddie Murphy in Trading Places when he's out to dinner with all those people. It's really loud, and then he starts to talk. You know, I can give you three good reasons for that. Everybody stops and leans in and listens. So that's what happened. I killed my wife for you. And Brian, the bartender, is like, hold up. I thought Lori was your wife. Wow. (laughs) He's thinking Lori is his wife. So Lori does know about the murder then. Lori knows everything. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Well, if it's a murder. Yeah. If it's a murder, they're just investigating, right? And he doesn't really know that. Okay. But Lori storms out of the bar in the restaurant. Larry quickly pays the bill, follows her out. <laughs> now, you know how you have group texts with people, especially like people you work with? Sure. Well, Brian puts it out into the group text that night. Like, dudes, you're <laughs> not going to believe this, but... This is what happened with Larry and Laura tonight. He goes home, he tells his wife, Amber, and she says, let it go. This is a wealthy, powerful man. You have a wife, me, you have two kids yeah. over there, head down, eyes on your own paper, stay out of it. Yep, yep. But the other bartenders are like, dude, that's the end of Lori. Like, they're making it a joke, thinking yeah. like he's going to kill her. Yeah. And a couple months later, Larry and Lori show back up at Stake 44, sit at the bar as if nothing ever happened. Wow. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Move along. I was just joking. (laughs) Nearly two years roll by, and Brian Lovelace, he's no longer a bartender. He started a lifestyle streaming platform, which is called Live Live, 
It's a streaming platform that allows you to search for your favorite things to do and see them live before you get there. It's an app, but he's but he's not bartending. Okay. But he's still friends with all those people in that old group text message, right? In that message group. Sure. And he gets a message from one of his friends, co-workers. It's a link to a story about how Larry's wife was killed accidentally in Zambia. Mm. And now the article says it's an accident. And again, husband and dad of two kids. So Brian is still like head down, eyes on my own paper. Yeah. And I get it. Why would you want to stick your nose into a wealthy, powerful man's business? Sure. When all the press is saying that the death had been deemed an accident. Right. Why would you like start a kerfuffle? Right. 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 But the FBI is still conducting their investigation and they start doing ballistics testing in a lab on an identical Browning 12-gauge shotgun. Mm -hmm. They started at a half inch away and progressed to nine feet away. Then the shotgun pellets are compared to Bianca's wounds from the pictures that Otto took that Larry wasn't happy about. From our Marvel Comics Marine dude. Yeah. Yeah. And what they discover is that the shot pattern wasn't consistent with someone who was zipping up a bag Mm -hmm. and would need to have the gun close to their body for that. Yeah. And the pattern was consistent with a shot fired from one to three feet away. Wow. Not right up against her chest. Also, they're learning that Bianca was a trained hunter. She's well-trained in how to handle her own gun. She would never have pointed the barrel toward herself. Yeah. Even if it's unloaded. Yeah. Gun safety 101. Number one, treat all guns as if they're loaded. Right. Number two, keep the gun pointed in the safest possible direction, which is one where an accidental discharge won't cause injury or damage. Sure. Or at least point it toward where the bathroom shower is. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Bianca had done none of these things. Right. And there are others, of course, keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot, know what your target is, your surroundings, all that kind of stuff. Sure. But don't you think somebody who's very skilled with a gun would practice these very things? Of course. And don't forget her guide, Spencer, has said he saw her break down the gun and clean it. Someone had to have put a shell in that shotgun. Right. Then the FBI uses a guy in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Good Lord, they're all over the place. His name is Dr. Bruce Bratmiller of a company called Anthrotech. And these people study people's measurements, hmm. their bodies, their arms, their legs, etc. Hmm. They are the nation's leading provider of body size information for use in the design and sizing of countless products and complex workspaces. Okay. That's directly from their website. All right. Yeah. All right. How are they involved? Well, the FBI gives Dr. Bratmiller the general outline of the scenario. They started with a behavioral study. People who didn't normally even use a gun were given this gun and asked to put it and zip it up in this soft carrying case. Okay. And they used people who normally didn't touch guns. Right. They used people who did sometimes touch a gun. Mm -hmm. But what they discovered in their study is not a one of them pointed the gun at themselves as they tried to put it into the soft case. I could have told them that. (laughs) And in fact, in order to put it in at an angle of 90 degrees, which is the angle of Bianca's wounds, it's basically impossible. They measured these women 
women who were the same size as Bianca. Then they asked them to zip this bag up while holding the muzzle at a 90-degree angle, and they couldn't do it. Well, yeah, of course not. Now, apparently there was one, but according to the doctor, she had flexible shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) But she couldn't even reach the trigger on the Browning gauge shotgun, Browning 12-gauge shotgun. Right. Now, it's December 2021, five years since Bianca's death, and Larry and Lori are working hard to build their new dream home in Arizona. Life is good, and they're off to Cabo San Lucas for Christmas 2021. Hmm. And the FBI feels like we got enough, and we got a prime suspect. Right. And now it's time to bring him in for questioning, something that's never happened before now. So Lori and Larry land in Cabo. It's a place they love, they frequent. But this time when they get off the plane, the (laughs) Mexican police are waiting for them at the direction of the FBI. They detain Larry at the airport, take him to a Mexican prison, and then they ship him back to the United States where he's met by federal agents and promptly arrested and charged with one count of murder and one count of mail fraud. Wow. Yeah. So they put him in jail in Denver, where at least one of the life insurance policies originated. He's in a cell for 23 hours a day. Wow. Two weeks later, Lori shows up for his detention hearing in federal court in Denver, Colorado. Federal prosecutors think Larry's a flight risk and Mm -hmm. a danger, Mm -hmm. and they argued for zero bond. And the defense tried to convince for Larry to be on house arrest, and the judge denies bail and says, nope. Nope. Just because he's got money doesn't mean he's going to be treated any differently in my courtroom. Yep. So Larry's denied bail and Lori receives a subpoena to appear in front of the grand jury. Mm. And when these two appear on the same day in front of the federal grand jury, Larry pleads not guilty, but he is indicted for murder based on all the evidence. Gotcha. Now, word travels fast, right? Everybody in Pittsburgh knew this guy. He's the guy on TV all the time. It's mm-hmm. Dr. Rudolph of the Three Rivers Dental, the guy who does sedation dentistry. Pittsburgh in the Pittsburgh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I need the rub. <laughs> Give me the rub. Meanwhile, Larry's daughter, who's a practicing dentist in his group, sticks by her dad. And this story is national news. And, of course, that meant that Arizona TV picked it up and the bartender Brian Lovelace sees it. And now he feels a little differently about what he heard. And all the people in his group are like, dude. You gotta go forward. Dude. And this is what everybody's going to love. When I read this, I was like, I can't wait to tell people this. (laughs) But one of his friends, one of these, one of his people, she's a woman who is obsessed with true crime. Mm, Good. Brian called her Nancy Drew. (laughs) And Nancy Drew sends Brian a link to the story that's all over the internet. Right. And then Nancy Drew, she wants to get to the bottom of this. And she calls the FBI and says, listen, here's what happened. She gives them Brian Lovelace's name. And then she calls him and says, Brian, I spilled the beans and the FBI is going to give you a call. (laughs) Brian's. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I know you didn't want to get into this, but guess what? I'm Nancy Drew. I'm blowing the lid off of this. And buddy, let me tell you, they loved getting that phone call from Nancy Drew. I'm sure they did. I saw nowhere what her real name was. They just called her Nancy Drew. All right. Now, while Larry is in custody, the FBI is watching Lori like a hawk. 
because she's running this dental practice from Arizona. And the federal prosecution goes back over her testimony from her grand jury appearance, and they realize Lori's really evasive about stuff. She said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't recall a bunch. Yeah. This is a woman who was in a long-term affair with Larry and after the death of Bianca, moved in with him, started driving her fancy car, and started building not just a new home with him, but a life. Mm -hmm. He had so much motive. Not to mention, the FBI has testimony from all these people who used to work for Larry saying it was a long-term relationship. She'd issued this ultimatum, and propofol showed up at the office before they left for the last safari hunting trip in Zambia. It doesn't look good for Lori and Larry. Doesn't look good for either one of them, does it? Nope. Six weeks after Lori testifies in front of the grand jury, her attorney gets a call from the FBI. We have a warrant for Lori's arrest and we're (laughs) outside her home right now. Wow. They put her in shackles and they carted her off because she had given misleading or evasive answers to the grand jury, specifically about Larry and how he supported her. Obstruction, perjury, and accessory after the fact. These are her, this is her crime, right? Wow, wow. And the two outstanding parking tickets she had. (laughs) For her Aston Martin. (laughs) That's what took her over the top. Yep. She pleads not guilty in Denver, and she's released to go back to her home in Arizona on house arrest. But as a condition of her bond, she can't have any contact with Larry. Mm. And here's why. They want Lori... To flip on Larry. Right. They want her to rat him out. Rat him out. You won't go to jail, Lori. Yep. Now, they have all this evidence, but it's all circumstantial, really. Lori denies giving the ultimatum, and she sticks by Larry. She says, I didn't say he had to kill his wife. I didn't say he had to get rid of his wife. Right. And she does not flip on him. Okay. And I think she stood her ground because she thought... Everything is circumstantial. Mm-hmm. The Zambians and even the insurance companies who paid out close to $5 million said this was accidental. Well, and I'm sure, too, her attorney is telling her, listen, this is all circumstantial, so don't say anything that will incriminate you or Larry. Yep. Yeah. In July of 2022, Lori Milliron and Dr. Larry Rudolph stand trial together. And during court proceedings, investigators argued that Larry had killed Bianca for financial reasons and to be with Lori. Mm -hmm. Testimony during the court proceedings showed Lori had been receiving cash payments from Larry in the years leading up to Bianca's death and had received a credit card from him after Bianca died. Mm. Credit card? What about the car? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The feds also had recordings of all the phone calls between Larry and Lori in prison, even though they're not supposed to be talking. Wow. She was cut off from him, remember? Yeah. And even though he doesn't come out and say he murdered his wife, it's still really apparent that these two are a couple. So Larry is going to have to take the stand. Mm -hmm. When it goes to trial, Larry gets on the stand and according to Rolling Stone magazine, attempted to transform his image from that of an accused murderer, an alleged fraudster, a liar, philanderer, a lobbyist for big game hunting who begged the Trump administration to let him join the cabinet into a weeping widower. (laughs) He claimed he was a shamed cuckold who couldn't please a sex-charged spouse and so entered a, quote, don't ask, don't tell, end quote, open marriage. 
He made himself out to be an ailing doctor whose wife had died tragically of an accidental shotgun discharge while he took a in the bathroom next door, end quote. Quote, sometimes, he said on the witness stand, it takes me a while, end quote. (laughs) That's right. Larry's changed his story. And here's what it is. He wasn't taking a shower. He was in the bathroom releasing the Kraken. (laughs) That's why he was dressed when he came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So he hears a shot and then he tucks his shirt back in tightly into his pants before he comes out of the bathroom. Also, did you hear the part about the open marriage? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Larry and Bianca had an open marriage. Yeah. Listen, I don't even tuck my shirt in when I hear Scotty barking out there. He gets on the stand and says, we had this open marriage. In fact, he says Bianca had two affairs on him during their marriage. Right. So it's not just me. Bianca was a cheater. Yeah. Also, even though the FBI had information about Larry's health care fraud involving the businesses and accusations by a dozen of his former close friends and colleagues that the crocodile attack where he lost the tip (laughs) of his thumb was just a plot to collect his disability. That still cracks me up. (laughs) Larry and Lori strongly deny all allegations. They deny all wrongdoings. And any real hint of these events about their past were kept out of their trial because their legal team successfully ensured the jury is not allowed to hear about any of them. Really? The Crocodile Dundee incident? Nope. Drilling in people's teeth so he could get more uh, root canals? Nope. Wow. Cash? Nope. How'd they get those omitted? Didn't have anything to do with the wife's death. Jeez. Back in Zambia, there were no fingerprints collected at the scene of Bianca's death. There's no eyewitnesses. There was an alleged murder weapon, but even the judge is like, what happened to the gun? Yeah. And why isn't anybody talking about what happened to the gun? Well, Larry said that he'd found the shotgun in his garage while moving from one mansion to another in Arizona, two years after Bianca died. Larry who is the former president of this 50,000-member hunting organization, testifies, quote, I'm not a gun guy, end quote. (laughs) Oh, Larry, Larry. So then on the stand, he said that he'd broken apart the weapon and paid cash to a private trash removal service for a, quote, Hispanic gentleman to put it in a dumpster somewhere, end quote. All right. I'm rolling my eyes so hard. I'm checking out the scenery behind me. Yeah. Now, no actual science supports the prosecution's theory. Yeah. So that's according to Larry and Lori's defense counsel. Okay. They think that, you know, the FBI, the feds are trying to sensationalize Larry. The hunting, the affairs, the angry employees. Right. And they're just saying, our goal is just to get the jury to put all that aside. Just don't listen to all that noise. Nothing to see here. In week two of the United States versus Rudolph et al., an ammunition expert takes the stand for the feds, saying that Larry had loaded the shotgun himself, that there was no way Bianca trying to fit the firearm inside the travel bag could have dropped it and accidentally loaded the gun. A prosecutor asked the expert to tap a shotgun on the courtroom floor anyway. And believe it or not, <laughs> yeah. I read in one article it said, kakak. 
<laughs> Onlookers remember gasping under their masks as a bullet rolled into the chamber. Ooh. Quote, it was maybe even worse than the OJ glove. <laughs> <Unquote>. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So there's thinking to themselves, this is one for the defense team. That It could have happened. Yeah. But the government did have one certain forensic advantage on its side because they argued that Bianca's wound had indicated a gunshot from slightly above. Then he cornered the defense's own firearms examiner, and he's like, uh, yeah, that would rule out an accidental drop. Yeah. Besides, Bianca's not tall enough. Right. She couldn't have, she couldn't have reached the shot herself and right. shot herself in the heart at such close range. Yeah. yeah. And they're saying, look, we have all this evidence that the bullet came from three feet away. Right. Then the person who works for him takes the stand and talks about this propofol being delivered just before this last trip on safari. Right. Then Brian Lovelace shows up at the trial. <laughs> Good old Brian. The former bartender says, I heard him loud and clear, quote, I killed my f-ing wife for you, end quote. And the defense says, no, I think you heard him say, quote, they think I killed my f-ing wife for you, end quote. <laughs> so they're putting this in his head. Yeah. But did he even think at that point that the FBI is on to him? I don't think so. Right. And Lovelace says, no, I heard it pretty loud and clear. And when they ask him if he would be surprised to know that that's really what he said, Brian Lovelace said, quote, would it surprise me? Everything is surprising me, end quote. (laughs) And everybody in the courtroom laughed. That's good. Good for Brian. In the end, the people who knew Larry said, It was a familiar performance up on the stand, quote, his demented narcissism allows him to consider himself righteous, even though he is beyond evil, end quote. So they liked him. (laughs) That's one of his friends (laughs) on the stand under oath. Wow. I, I would make sure that he didn't write his epitaph. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this kind of answers your question about not calling the kids, because when Larry is on the stand, they ask him, why didn't you tell your children right away? Right. Well, an article in the Zambian News talked about Bianca's death the next day. They even misspelled her name. Quote, I felt that once it was in one place, that article was going to be published all over the media. Mm. That damn article, sorry, robbed me of the opportunity to see my son first, end quote. Okay, whatever. So that's what he's saying. Okay. Which makes no sense because, Larry, PR people will tell you, you get ahead of the story. Yeah. <laughs> you call them immediately so they hear it from you. Sure. Larry admitted to being, quote, very paranoid about the anti-hunting forces in the world, end quote, and said he wondered if pictures of Bianca's body taken by the suspicious diplomat before it could be cremated could be made publicly available. Okay. He thinks Otto's going to release these pictures. Yeah, whatever. And the prosecution looks at him and says, quote, the American embassy isn't TMZ, is it? (laughs) End quote. Nice. Then there was a post-nuptial agreement that comes forward, apparently signed by Bianca just months before her death and witnessed by one of Larry's longtime friends. It said that in the aftermath of her two affairs, a pot of $2 million is what she would get in a divorce as opposed to his $7 million. Hmm. 
So was the whole he didn't want to divorce her because he didn't want to split the spoils? Is that out the window? Yeah. And they go after this guy who said he witnessed it, but he never deviates. Like the FBI apparently went to his house and started like tearing through stuff. Mm. But while Larry is on the witness stand, he gives a very teary testimonial. Two days and five hours of crying. (laughs) Where even though he told of Bianca's indiscretions, what about the fling he had in Vegas with a girl named Tammy or maybe it was Tiffany? This happened as soon as he returned from Zambia. Oh, wow. Are these the actions of a grieving widower? Yeah. Hey, Lori, he's even cheating on you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't change a leopard spot. When the jury went out to deliberate, Lori, who is on house arrest, remember, she goes back to her Airbnb with the defense team and her family, and she's drinking wine and kicking up her heels. She thinks they're off the hook. Right. And why do we know this? Well, she let Rolling Stone follow her around for this story. Oh, really? But when the jury comes back after about a day and a half of deliberation, and on August 1st, 2022, a federal jury found him guilty. Both of them. Oh, wow. Now, another year passes before he's sentenced, before either of them are sentenced. Dr. Larry Rudolph, now 68 years old, will spend the rest of his life in federal prison and have to pay nearly $7 million in financial penalties. Wow. Also, when they sentence him on August 21st, 2023, just a month ago, along with life in prison for murder, Dr. Rudolph will serve a concurrent sentence of 20 years for defrauding multiple life insurance companies. Wow. He will also have to pay about $4.8 million in restitution, plus a fine of $2 million and a $200,000 special assessment on one count of murder of a U.S. national in a foreign country and one count of mail fraud. Wow. As for Lori Milliron, who was so excited to get into her new mansion in Arizona, on June 23rd, 2023, Lori was sentenced to 17 years in federal prison for accessory to murder. Wow. And she was ordered to pay a fine of $250,000. Now, Larry's daughter gave an impact statement, which was just so heart-wrenching. I really feel for Larry's family because they lost their mother, too. Yeah, yeah. Judge William J. Martinez argued that the long sentence for Lori was well-deserved because evidence pointed to her, quote, encouraging, end quote, the crime. He added that Lori seemed unrepentant in her part because he judged her emotionally unmoved when she was shown graphic images and listened to wrenching testimony during the trial. Hmm. So the judge is watching her and she's just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Both Larry and Lori are appealing these sentences. Mm. And now we wait because they're going to appeal it all, all of it, both of them. Sure. But for now, they both sit in federal prisons awaiting those appeals. But that is the story of Dr. Rudolph, his wife, Bianca, and his lover, Lori. That's all I have to say about that. to Homicide listeners, the wait is over. If you're a reader or a fan of my Sex and Lies series, Book 10, Sex, Lies, and Rock and Roll is now available on Amazon. With a successful tour and two years of sobriety under his belt, rock star Noah Hart is ready to put his secrets and the past behind him. 
That is, until his former bandmates and business partners are murdered one by one, and suddenly he becomes the prime suspect. When FBI agent Louisa Hathaway is assigned to the case, no one, including her partner, is aware she carries her own secrets, including an undeniable infatuation with rock and roll's bad boy, Noah Hart. As the body count rises, Agent Hathaway is torn between unraveling the truth and falling for the man who might be the killer. Don't miss this new book, Sex, Lies, and Rock and Roll, by me, Chris Calvert. Only on Amazon. Rock and roll will never die, but it might kill you. Well, it sounds like Lori's going to be an old woman by the time she uh, she breathes free air. But <laughs> I mean, they're both kind of old now. Yeah, I mean, l- she's I'm pretty sure she's in her 60s as well. Yeah, Larry's going to be as old as Methuselah by the time he has a chance to get out of <laughs> He there. doesn't have a chance. Yeah, no. He's, Life in prison, buddy. Larry's done. But he is in federal prison. Yeah. So maybe white collar. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad he's put away. There you go. Me too. All right. Well, let's move away from that to a little bless your heart. Well, bless your heart. All right. I got some good ones for you. I need a good one after being on African Safari today. The first one I'm calling, now, that doesn't look like a spare tire. Okay. A Bronx man wanted by the NYPD was arrested in Pennsylvania on Wednesday after he was found locked in the trunk of a car, a report said. He was in the trunk? (laughs) Yep. Okay. Leon Syheim Parks, 25, was discovered in a 2016 Dodge Challenger by an employee at an auto auction in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, according to Lancaster Online. Okay. Quote, I opened up the trunk to take... (laughs) picture and there was a guy in there <laughs> the employee said what leads added that he quickly went to get parks water because he wasn't moving a whole lot oh no yeah the auction yard was about 90 miles west of philadelphia so the guy was in there the entire time did he how, did he say how he got in there yeah. let me go on oh sorry parks is wanted on drugs oh. and weapon charges according to public records He was reportedly uncooperative and identified by his fingerprints. It was not clear on Thursday how Parks got into the trunk of the car. Yikes. (laughs) A car that went to auction, no less. (laughs) And it was 90 miles away. So you don't even know how long this guy was in In the trunk. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe that was the plan. Yeah. Bless his heart. Yeah. Okay. Number two, there are priorities. Okay. All right. Modern technology foiled this felon when he and a mate were found with 103 grams of marijuana in their car. Okay. While they were at the station for questioning, a third man sent a text message to one of their mobile phones saying, hey, water my weed, please. (laughs) Water my weed? Please. (laughs) At least he was courteous. (laughs) The police went to his place and found a small backyard plantation. The driver oh. was convicted of possession and the intention to deal drugs. Okay. His two friends were let off due to lack of evidence. Where was this? Do you know? <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Number three and finally, that's not mine. According to a police report, early Friday morning, a woman was pulled over near a hotel in Griswold Road in Elria, Ohio. Okay. Seconds into the stop, the officer said he saw Elizabeth Johnson place her hands under her shirt and shove something in her bra. All right. The officer ordered Johnson out of the car. The report says Johnson locked the door and refused to come out. 
After the officer convinced Johnson to get out of the car, the report says she was still yelling and uncooperative. Okay. She told the officer she was carrying nothing illegal. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Johnson reportedly screamed, fine, you want to see what I have? And lifted up her shirt and bra, according to the report. The officer said upon doing so, a crack pipe fell from her bra. (laughs) <laughs> it's not Mardi Gras, honey. Don't lift. Don't show anything. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. So there's your bless your heart. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. Don't try to stuff your crack pipe in your bra. Yeah, yeah. There are other places. Do not give anybody ideas. Uh, don't do drugs, y'all. Yeah, don't do that. Just don't do drugs. Well, if you have a bless your heart or you know somebody's heart who needs blessing, all you have to do is go to hitchtohomicide.com where yep. there's a pull-down menu. Yep. And while you're there, you can also suggest a case. Yes. That's all we have today. That's my amazing husband out there. And that's my beautiful bride in the booth. Join us next time on Hitch to Homicide. Bye, y'all. <laughs>